3: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Tim May podcast. This is yours truly, Tim May, uh, with yet another version as Ohio State now dives deep into the Big Ten season. Uh coming off a uh seventy-six to five come from behind win over Miami University on Saturday. Uh uh, a, lot of, a lot of questions as that game started. A lot of answers as that game ensued. And uh, I'll be talking about that later into the podcast with my friend uh, Austin Ward here on Letterman Row. Uh, we'll also be breaking down a play, my favorite play from Saturday, which was the uh, touchdown pass <laughs> from uh, Justin Fields to Benjamin Victor to the back of the end zone. Uh, one, one of the bolder plays you'll see called on third and 20 anytime. time. Uh, but before that, you know, Ohio State's playing Nebraska. This has been a uh, series that should have had about 80 uh, renewals in it, but hasn't because Nebraska for a long time was in the Big 6, the Big 8, and the Big 12. Uh, and now it's, of course, in the Big 10. And uh, should be one of the great rivals in sport when you consider all the tradition involved with Nebraska football and Ohio State football. But uh, here they are playing for one of the few times ever on Saturday night, nationally televised game, primetime game, Uh, It's supposed to be the showdown game. This is supposed to be the pothole game, according to a lot lot of us people who were looking at the Ohio State uh, schedule before the season started. Uh, What's going to be that Iowa, what's going to be that Purdue game that uh, could trip up Ohio State again in his quest to make the college football playoff? And uh, Man, this has all the earmarks of being that game if you consider how Nebraska has played at the beginning of this year. Not exactly a well-oiled machine, yet the Cornhuskers are are three and one uh, in the uh, second year under Scott Frost, but to give us a little more insight into into Nebraska, I've got a fellow I've known for a while. His name's Sam McEwen. should should be sounds like the name of Colonel Sam McEwen uh, from some outpost in Nebraska, but he works for the Omaha Omaha World Herald. And Sam, uh, thanks for joining my show, man. You bet, absolutely. I'm gonna call you Colonel from now, on if that's okay, that's fine. All that's right. fine. Actually, yeah. I'll call you Big Sam. But uh, hey, Sam, real quick, I am me, big. I know you are. I know you are, man. Yeah. You're big in all kinds yeah. of ways, man. But yeah. uh, but I digress. Uh, bottom line, you know, just just give us a feel for this Nebraska team as you guys at the you guys go cover that cover that team about as well as any paper in the country covers a team uh, but where do you think this team stands right now headed into this Ohio State game and by stands i mean what's your what's your grip on this team i mean what are they all about
2: Well, they're, they're working, they're still working themselves out. I think that'd be the best way to put it. Uh, They survived at Illinois. Hmm. Uh, They won 42, 38, Uh, probably shouldn't have been a close game. They racked up almost 700 total yards, but had four fumbles that led to 21 Illinois points. That's why it was a close game. Um, You know, so they, they have some, they have some explosiveness. Uh, They have some playmakers on defense if it ever got put together into a complete game, I think they'd be pretty darn good. But at this point it 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 comes and goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the offense is hot and cold. Uh, it started very cold. It had it, it, it did some good things at Colorado and then uh, and then some good things at Illinois. The defense has been Generally solid, but but I would say hasn't really been terribly tested uh, on the ground until Illinois and Illinois ran for more than 200 yards. So Mm -hmm. um, it's one of those teams that, um, you know, the way that Nebraska football operates, just the 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 way that it is around here is uh, it's it's 24-7, 365. Even if the program is not where Ohio State's at, um, there's this memory of the time when it was. Mm -hmm. And so people kind of are still remain fueled by that. And there's 50 people covering the team. Uh, it's a huge media pool. Everybody's producing content. Um, and, and I think part of what happens around here is everybody gets really excited for the season. Everything's super positive. And then the season hits and it's reality and it's pragmatic. And, Mm -hmm. um, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, well, it doesn't look as good as we thought it, we were told it was going to look. And then, the fans get a little whatever, and, and now here comes Ohio State, uh, a program that I think is certainly the Big Ten you know, pace setter, the best program in the, in the league by some margin. Um, I think there was a thought they might have somewhat of a dip this year because of a new head coach, but uh, that hasn't happened yet. Uh, they have extraordinary talent, and uh, Nebraska's got game day coming here for the first time in 12 years. And I think there's a sense of, like, nobody here really knows how this game's going to go. Yeah. Um, you know, as coach, the coaches, Scott Frost used to be a Nebraska quarterback. Uh, I think he feels a lot of responsibility for bringing this program back to where it used to be. I think that responsibility is a little, uh, unfair to him. Uh, I, I don't know that they can get back to where they were in the nineties. Uh, you know, that would be where Ohio state is today. I don't know if Nebraska can get to that, but he's tasked with getting the team better week after week. And, uh, they seem to be getting, they're, they're not bad, uh, Their A-game would probably have a chance of beating Ohio State, but we don't know if their A-game is going to show up to Memorial Stadium on Saturday night. There's just no way of knowing uh, because they haven't shown it yet.
3: Yeah, by A-game you mean the the first letter of Adrian Martinez, his name. No, I'm just joking. But uh, You know, it's uh, – I mean I I I've, I've touted him going into the season. I've I've liked this guy since I first heard about him, you know, during the recruiting when Ohio State was actually interested in him. And uh I mean, boy, he turned when they needed him desperately uh the other night at Illinois, he turned it up a notch. And uh that's what I think he is capable of. Uh you know, day in and day out and I reminded people last year, you know, he got that unfortunate knee uh, sprain. Uh, against, what was it, Colorado, where the guy twisted his leg early last year. He was literally playing on one leg, one good leg, uh, the entire year after that, and yet they came into Ohio Stadium and gave Ohio Stadium a hell of a run. Of course, a lot of people did last year offensively, (laughs) and that's what's different about about this Ohio State team is it's number three in the country right now now, in points given up and number three in the country in points scored, and here's a – wow a nebraska team that the other night like you said it looked like a it looked like a car that was trying to get out of a mud hole and kept getting almost out and then falling back in with a turnover and then getting back yep. out and falling back in but there was no doubt which 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 program had the had the stouter engine i'm talking about you know and uh and clearly uh Illinois, i mean nebraska got it done in the end and was was funny i watched the entire scott frost uh, Post game press conference, you guys were at. Where, by the way, was that still in that little tiny little room at Illinois? I think it probably yeah. was. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it looks a lot more serene on on television. But uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, he's kind of laid out matter of fact. You know, he can't turn the ball over, and you know, and uh, like they did, and yet they found a way to win. You know, like you said about uh, maybe quelling the. Uh, the, the, the public outcry when you come into a season with big hopes. Some people are picking you to win the Big Ten West and so far you've been inconsistent. Let's put it that way. I think that's the best way of putting it, right? Inconsistent maybe from one possession to the next, one defensive Shh. possession to the next. Uh, but you can see the potential there, especially on the offense, right?
2: Oh yeah. I mean, the offense has been inconsistent. The defense has been relatively consistent. They're just they're as good they're as good as they are gonna be like yeah. I they're not bad I mean the defense is pretty good I you know it's it's much better than it was last year and they gave up 38 points on Saturday but a lot of that was you know Illinois started a possession at the two and they started one at the nine and so yeah. you know I mean there's those uh-huh. things happen but but their defense is their defense is pretty good um, it's been relatively consistent okay. uh, the offense has been inconsistent yeah I mean they based, they had four turnovers And they had four fumbles and those turned into 21 points. So um, anytime that you're turning, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, 25% of your possessions in a game are turnovers, uh, then you're, you know, you're pretty inconsistent. Simultaneously, they scored six touchdowns. Uh, So they know how to they know how to move the football. Uh, And and they have, you know, Martinez is 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 a very, very talented quarterback. He seemed a little, uh, I don't know what it was in the first first game, bad. Uh, and, and it didn't seem right. And, they, you know, the snaps weren't good. And the th- things just seemed off. And then in game two, he was better. In game three was even a little bit better than that. And then, and then when they got down and they absolutely needed to say, you know, screw it, we're just going to go five wides and we're going to throw the football and hmm. we're going to let him kind of, you know, do what he does and be in two-minute drill mode, he got a lot better. Yeah. Now, they still ran the ball well and he ran the ball well in that fourth quarter especially yes but when they they spread it out and they start saying all right now we're going to just we're going to move fast we're going to go at a tempo and we're going to get the defense off balance that's when martinez seemed to be in his element and so uh, the challenge with that is when you face a really good team like ohio state if you don't score with that tempo then you're putting your defense back on the field pretty consistently so i think i think there's some ways in which uh, nebraska's got to continue to improve Uh, at that and then they've got to find a way to uh, they've got to find a way to contain ohio state's pass rush because if if ohio they have given up some sacks this year and if ohio state's pass rush is is coming full bore you know ohio state could get three or four sacks and i don't think nebraska could have much of a chance of winning the game if ohio state is in the backfield all the time
3: yeah i was gonna say i mean key guys to watch when nebraska has the ball will be adrian martinez and on the one side and chase young on the other you know <laughs> i mean it'll be uh chase young ohio state's defensive end who has now uh how many sacks he have now uh austin i think it's seven or nine sacks he had two strip sacks on saturday uh against miami when ohio state like i said had to come from behind win but uh those were really flippers you know real quick let's touch on something else i mean you talked about it i grew up uh most people who follow follow this podcast know and follow me know that I grew up going to Alabama games when I was a little kid because that's where I was born. And two of my favorite memories as a youngster uh, were watching Alabama beat Nebraska in the Orange Bowl after the 65 season to wrap up the national championship. And in the 66, maybe Bear Bryant's best team uh, beating Nebraska in the uh, Sugar Bowl, I think was 31-7. to 7. But I've known about Nebraska football forever, you know, uh, Bob Devaney, et cetera, and then turning the reins over Tom Osborne. In my opinion, Johnny Rogers is still one of the most exciting players ever to ever to play college football. Rich Glover is a guy that uh, I, I'm not sure there was ever a greater, more effective middle guard in football history Uh for a couple of seasons and that guy. So I kind of go back a long ways with uh, Nebraska knowing about their big-time program and through the years. But what, what, in your mind, what, what exactly slipped after Osborne was done uh, that Nebraska is still trying to crawl out of that hole from the standpoint of being just that consummate program. Was it recruiting all around recruiting? Obviously they played for the big 10 championship when Bo Pelini was there, you know, but uh, was it, was it all around recruiting? What would you put your finger on there?
2: Oh, it's a, it's a big broad conversation and and, and the source of, the answer to that question is often it, 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 the source of the you know the friction and contention within within the fan base and within sort of the power structure at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. I think most people would tell you that what slipped was the um, was the administrative support for the football program really uh, around the time that that uh, that Tom Osborne left the building. So you know all the way back to 98, 99, uh, some people will blame the chancellor at that time. Some people will blame the athletic director who who fired uh, Frank Solich. Uh, I'm of the I'm of the belief that Solich deserved at least one more year, maybe two more years. Let me interrupt you. There's uh, a,
3: well, let me interrupt you. There's an Ohio State connection here. Steve Peterson, I think, is the guy we're talking about.
2: Yes, and, we uh, are.
3: I met him the, for the first time when he was named the recruiting coordinator at Ohio State here. Uh, when John Cooper uh, named his first staff, so he went from yeah. recruiting coordinator at Ohio State to uh, athletic director at uh, Nebraska, and and decided to go another way <laughs> uh, with the Nebraska program. But go ahead, yeah, he
2: did, and, and he was a recruiting coordinator at Nebraska too. Um, he came from Pittsburgh. Uh, he was, he, he came to Nebraska in uh, the winter of 2002, really under the recommendation of Tom Osborne. Everybody thought that C Peterson should get the job. He did. Um, he made a very quick change in Frank Solich. Uh, he, he claimed at the time to have had a coach ready to go. We've never really been able to figure out who that was. Um, but, uh, after firing Frank, they, they did like a 60 day search. It was, it was embarrassing. Uh, they finally got Bill Callahan, after um you know after callahan was was let go by the raiders Mm -hmm. uh and you know callahan's offense was very different from the the option style offense that nebraska had run Um, callahan was not as bad as he has been um portrayed yeah he wasn't he he recruited actually quite well uh and and uh was was you know a pretty good offensive coach he struggled to connect with the players but Callahan wasn't as bad as people said he was. Um, there were people, I think, within Nebraska Athletics who were mad that he was there, angry that Peterson was there. And, and I think there was there was some element of uh, joy when Callahan was let go, uh, when Peterson was let go in 07, then Pellini took over. And you know, Bo won nine games every year. You can't you can't say he didn't do that. His best teams were with Callahan's players. I'll say that too. Huh. Um, but the piece with Bo, and and this this was probably the regrettable part is I always liked Bo. You know, he's a former Ohio State football player, right? Um, but Bo Bo had it wore a chip on his shoulder. You know, the size of the state of Ohio, and 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 I think a lot of it was 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 born in this you know, uh, his, he wanted to sort of set things right. And, um, you know, he, he was doing it for the honor of Solich and for Osborne. Yeah. I think that, that weighed on him tremendously too. And so by the third or fourth year, you know, both program had turned into this us against the world and included in the world was the media and the fan base and, um, players saying they liked playing road games more than they liked playing at home and all this goofy, all this goofy stuff that, you know, where he was trying to create this culture within the program of, uh, you know, everybody's against us. We have no, nope, no, nope, we can't count on anybody but us. And so that happened and then he got let go and he sort of poisoned the well on the way out. Um, really poisoned the well Uh, for Mike Riley who came in and that didn't go well at all. Mike was a very malleable guy. He said yes to everybody. Uh, People will say they liked Mike Riley as a person, but not as a, but not as a football coach. And Mike said yes too much and didn't say no enough. And so he was run out of town after his third year and rightly so they went four and eight, they were done. Uh, And then Scott Frost came in and he had this undefeated season at central Florida. And so You know, Frost comes from that same sort of uh, tree uh, of Osborne. The neat thing about Frost is he has some other mentors in Chip Kelly and Mike Tomlin and Tony Dungy and Bill Belichick. He has coached with and under a lot of really interesting, diverse personalities. And so um, I think that gives him a background that's a little bit different. Uh, and he's got a good offense. I mean, everybody agrees that Scaff Ross knows how to score points and yes. rack up yards, and they've done that. So I think their hope is that they can take what used to be good about Nebraska, strength and conditioning, nutrition, and merge it with this new school offense, and it is different from what Nebraska used to run. And in doing those two things over time, they're going to be really good again. I don't know if they're going to be Ohio State good. Ohio State right now is 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 unbelievably good. And has a great has a recruiting juggernaut and all these other things right. uh, So I don't know if Nebraska can be Ohio State good again. Um, I'm not sure Nebraska knows that. Uh, at some point if, if Scott gets this thing the nine or ten wins a year, I think people's approach will be different than it was under Bo which is like well he's just you know he hits a, he hit a plateau we better get rid of him. I think with Scott if he gets back to that point people will be more patient um, and they, they will they will abide by it longer. Um, than they would have just because i think it's going to be really hard to get all the way back and i I don't i don't know if if nebraska will get there they have to beat teams like ohio state to get back there and i'm not sure they're going to win this game i'm not sure anybody in the media here thinks nebraska is going to win this game they'd have to play very very well in order to pull it off
3: yeah i mean like you were talking about though you know when he gets it back to nine or ten wins uh, the reality, that's a reality check for everybody. I mean, if they are remembering correctly. But you you, you, and I both know that once it gets back to 9 or 10 wins and the fans are really fickle, they will want that next step. And uh, whether that next step can happen in this modern day, I think is interesting because Bob Devaney and Tom Osborne, you know, Along with being great head coaches, they were great recruiters. I mean that that's that was yeah what they, they were that was what set them yes. apart. They got they got guys to come to uh, Nebraska, and uh, the key is to get you know uh, you win with people, as Woody Hayes said, and that's what is going to be the next yeah. step, I think, for Nebraska is get you know Scott Frost is I think he I think he makes for an attractive situation there because uh, he's a youngish guy. He has great ideas offensively, and uh, he understands that where the bread is buttered, too, is on the defensive right. side. That's what separates you, you know, and, uh, and I think they've made strides, like you said, just in the last two years uh, of becoming better on defense. Hey, let's just jump real quick. Uh, so what do you expect uh, Saturday night? Uh, I mean, what are the expectations, the, the realistic expectations for this game from your vantage point?
2: Nebraska's going to take a lot of chances on defense. They're going to try to heat Justin Fields up. Uh, they'll come. They'll come with exotic pressure packages from various angles. Uh, they trust their corners. They're going to probably leave their corners out on an island a time or two. They did that last year when they were at when they were at Ohio State and they gave Dwayne Haskins some problems. And if there's one thing that Ohio State was really good at last year, it was throwing the football. Yeah. And Nebraska gave them some problems. Um, you know, Haskins Haskins got stripped sacked once. Yeah. Uh, I think he threw an interception. It wasn't – it was one of his worst games. And so they're probably going to try to heat Justin Fields up. I think Ohio State's wise to try to use Justin Fields as a runner uh, and try to get him involved in the run game and try to catch Nebraska in a blitz uh, and get him outside. So I think Fields' running ability will help them. Nebraska could not stop JT Barrett and Braxton Miller in recent years. They had – they were much more comfortable with Dwayne Haskins in that pocket than they were with Barrett or Miller um, when those guys could run. Mm -hmm. And so I would think Fields has got to get involved in the run game. So that's what I see on the defensive side. Um, I think Ohio State's going to have success. I do. I mean, I think they're going to score and they're going to have success. But Nebraska might be able to get a couple of turnovers. uh, On the other side of the ball, hard to say. Uh, You know, Ohio State's front seven is really good, really physical. If Nebraska can't run the get ball between the tackles, they do have an oddball running back Maurice Washington, mm-hmm. who is a very hard to stop. You can't really, you, he doesn't know where he's going to go b- before he goes there. Yeah. So he he's a unique runner that can get a 50 yard run out of nothing because he just sort of herky-jerky and hard to, hard to corral. But if they can't get anything going through the tackles, then they've got to involve Martinez as a runner. Um, I think Ohio State will have a plan for that. And I suspect Ohio State's uh, secondary is going to be good. Uh, I really like their defensive coordinator, their co-defensive coordinator, Halfley. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've done a really good job already this season um, against the pass, and I suspect they'll have a real good plan for, for Nebraska. Ohio State has a distinct advantage in special teams. Uh, Nebraska does not have a field goal kicker right now. Their kicker is hurt. Uh, they've tried four different guys. The guy on Saturday missed a 27-yard field goal. Um, At the end of the game, yeah. Uh, they, the previous guy had field goals blocked, extra points blocked. Uh, the previous guy shanked the kick. They have no answers as a field goal kicker until their kicker gets healthy. So they're basically going to go for it on fourth and seven at the 20-yard line. Uh, and then their punter's okay. Their return games haven't been great. And their kickoff defense is not very good. So if Ohio State has a good kickoff returner, uh, look out. Because that guy could that guy could give them some trouble. Nebraska's going to have a great crowd. It's going to be the greatest crowd they've had in a long time. Uh, their fans are going to be into it. Uh, I think Nebraska will be juiced up. They've got you know they've got some really good players on offense and defense. Nebraska does individual players. Uh, they probably don't have the depth or the the overall talent profile of Ohio State, but you know they're going to give it a shot. I don't know what the line is. Uh, I haven't seen it. I think it's. But, uh, uh,
3: I think it's. Uh... What sixteen right now? Uh, yeah, that it sounds at, about right. Started at uh, fourteen, and we moved to sixteen because yeah. Ohio State, you know, Ohio State fans get pretty jacked up this time of the year.
2: <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, I think the sharps are probably looking at it and saying, "How, how is Nebraska going to keep this team under yeah. thirty-five? And where's Nebraska going to score
3: hey one And that's well, here's fair. the most important question I have for you: Is Nebraska possibly going to wear all black? Could that possibly happen?
2: If they do, um, they wouldn't wear all black. They're just going to wear the black tops. Oh, okay. Uh, so, it's just going to be a black top with a white pant and black stripes down the pant.
3: You know, so the, that, reason I asked, you know the reason I asked that? Because that's what Iowa wore two years ago. Yeah, that's I what know. Purdue wore last year. You know where <laughs> I'm going with that. Uh, yeah. So, these could uh, just be the black shirts, not the black all. Yeah.
2: They have, They have. have They have a black jersey. My understanding is they might even have a white on a away jersey with black pants, but I don't know that they would put the combination together. They might. Yeah. Uh, they're going to wear it at some point this year. Um, game day's coming. They have this really. Uh, they have a basketball thing the night before for Fred Hoiberg, where they have a rapper Rick Ross coming in. Is sold out. So it's going to be a really fun and festive weekend for Ohio State fans. Anyone who comes. They're gonna they're gonna have fun uh, you know Nebraska's gonna treat this like a like a 48 hour 72 hour party let me interrupt um, you though
3: why are Nebraska yeah. fans you think so nice to people except for during the game but before the game they're about as nice of a fandom as you're gonna run into I'm talking about for the opposing uh, uh, fans and then after the game they're also where, where does that come from in a nutshell Sam
2: well I think it comes from Nebraskan's desire to have people have a good impression of them. Mm-hmm. You know, and I yeah. think at one time, right when Nebraska was really, really good, there might have been a little patron patronization to it. You know, like a little bit of we know we're going to beat you by sixty, so we might as well be nice to you yeah. before and yeah. after the game. Yeah. But that, but, but as they've struggled over the last two decades, that's remained that way. Hmm. And so I think it's not just being patronizing. I think it's I think it's just a genuine Nebraska feeling of when you come here, we want you to feel at home. We want you to enjoy it. Um, there's not a lot of malice in the stadium. Not that I've never experienced that at Ohio state, by the way, uh, Ohio state fans have always been I in my opinion, good. They're not Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, they're not Penn state. Yeah. So, um, I think when you have a certain level of, of, of success with the exception of Penn state's fans who are horrible, um, you, you tend to carry yourself with a little bit of class. And so Nebraska fans still carry themselves that way. Right. Yes. Um, it's not you know it's not the it, the crowd here can get real loud but it takes a little bit to get them there um, so it's not like the the most bloodthirsty environment you'll see but it's a lot of fun you know it's very festive and it's very it's a very sort of celebratory atmosphere and then the game kicks off and there's gonna be a lot of trepidation about Ohio State because the last time they came in here um, they beat Nebraska 56 to 14 and then I mean, they really they really beat them and oh, so
3: yeah it was a hammer. I think people it was hammer time yeah. go ahead though,
2: yeah people yeah. still remember that and and you know and so I think they have a healthy healthy respect for Ohio State and the program that they've um that they've built. I think if you were to ask Nebraska fans which program they dislike more, they'd say Michigan,
3: yeah, gotcha. Hey, Sam, it's been a slice, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, go, uh, go treat yourself to some California tacos after this is All over right. and, uh, and tell right. them to bill Tim May back here, at, uh, back here at Letterman Row. But, man, I really appreciate it, Sam. Thank you very much.
2: You bet, brother. Take care.
3: All right, man. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Sam McEwen. From the uh, Omaha World Herald, one of the one of the great guys who covers Nebraska football, one of the great guys you're ever going to run into. Period. As you could tell from that interview, uh, uh, this is going to be an interesting match on on Saturday night in Lincoln. And I'm going to be back with Austin Ward later in the program to kind of break down things where High State stands and where it stands going in into that game. Uh, but uh, before that, I'm going to break down a play for you, my favorite play from Saturday, and I'm going to do all that. And when I return, we'll be back in just a moment.
0: Hey, college football fans, it's Zach Bourne here. You need to check out betdsi.com. BetDSI is a great way to use your sports knowledge to make some extra cash. That's right. BetDSI is the top-rated online sports book. They've been paying winners for over 20 years. The reason they've been around that long is because they have got the fastest payouts in the industry. Plus, the user interface and mobile site is the best in the business. Play, win, and get paid. It's that simple. It doesn't matter if it's college football, the NFL, NBA, NHL, UFC, eSports, reality TV, virtually anything. You can bet it, you can bet on it at betdsi.com and get paid right now. There's no better way to add some excitement to games that you already are watching. Check out their live betting where you can bet on games throughout the entire matchup, every play, and every minute until the end. BetDSI has a special deal for Letterman Row fans. Use the promo code ROW100 to get a 100% bonus match. That's more than double. That's right, more than double your money to start winning today. Once again, go to BetDSI.com and use promo code ROW100 and get this limited 100% bonus offer to make some extra cash on the sports you know and love. BetDSI, promo code ROW100.
3: Now back to the show. Welcome back, and thanks to the uh, producers, directors here at Letterman Row. We're going to break down another play for you, ladies and gentlemen, my favorite play from Saturday's game, because this is what I call audacious play calling. And uh, and uh, as you can see by the script there, Ohio State's up 35-5. to five. They're looking for the kill shot here. And let's take it back again, Spencer, to the very start of the play. It's third and 20, <laughs> you know. Should they be setting up for a field goal? I mean, what's what's going on here? What 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 what's what's Ohio State up to right here? If you notice, you have two wide, two receivers to the left, split out. I think that's tight end Jeremy Ruckert, and then you have uh, three receivers to the right. which you can't see at the top of the screen there, J.K. Dobbin's had gone from the backfield out, split way wide to the right, almost to the sideline, uh, to just spread out this uh, uh, Miami defense. And Miami, as you'll notice as this play develops, they've got one, two, three defensive linemen. All they're trying to do is keep the play in front of them, keep Ohio State from getting a first down. They've got a picket line set up here uh, at about the 19-yard uh, line, which will be backpedaling as the play starts. And they've got five defenders across the, uh, across the midsection just, uh, just to make things a little maybe more difficult for uh, Justin Fields. But as you'll notice as the play develops, number one, Justin Fields will have plenty of time to throw the ball. And number two, as you watch right here, Justin Fields has every intention of forgetting about throwing for a first down but hitting a man over the top, Benjamin Victor. Now let's go back to the start of the play against Spence. Benjamin Victor's right up here. Just keep your eye on Benjamin Victor as this play rolls. Go ahead, Spence. The great thing about zone coverage And uh, the folks uh, listening on the radio, I mean, listening on the podcast can know this, too. You can just run right through people if you want to, but you've got to have a uh, quarterback with the audacity and the uh, basically the talent to throw the ball up there and beat a seam. As, uh, As Benjamin Victor comes off the line of scrimmage, he has an inside receiver who runs a square in. Which kind of takes care of one uh, coverage man? Uh, he runs. Benjamin Victor runs past the underneath zone guy who had him. Just kind of shoves him off. Uh, the underneath zone guy does, and Ben Victor just keeps going right up the field, turns it into a post cut. And what's great about the throw from uh, Justin Fields is it's a little bit back shoulder, and Benjamin Victor, six foot three, six foot four, depending on what day you're measuring him, goes up well above the deep defender, the deep zone safety defender, hauls in the uh, pass like it's a baby being thrown from the 15th floor, gets his right foot down, and scores the touchdown, which puts Ohio State up 42-5. to If Miami had any hopes of a comeback, uh, they were just dashed by this one play. But it also shows the chemistry that Justin Fields in just a few short months, has developed with some of his primary receivers, not the re- least of which is Chris Olave, not the least of which is K.J. Hill, and definitely not the least of which is Ben Victor, who finally in uh, in this season is living up to the projections that Urban Meyer had about him, that he has his highest ceiling of, as a receiver of anybody he's ever coached. Uh, this play is yet another example of what Ohio State can bring to bear with the talent it has on the offensive side of the ball when you dare to beat a deep zone by throwing the ball over the top. That sets this Ohio State offense apart now as it heads into the meat of Big Ten play. Once again, thanks to my producer, uh, Spencer Holbrook, for running the video. And we'll be back in a moment as the show continues.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal.
3: Austin Ward, welcome into the show again, my friend. Well, thank you for Thanks having me. Thanks for coming. Me. Yeah, and uh, you know, that uh, Justin Fields to Benjamin Victor connections is oh getting uh, more important by the day, right?
1: The way you broke that down was phenomenal, Tim. Uh, and I just catching it live, that was one of the most impressive catches I thought I was ever going to see. And then Garrett Wilson uh, topped it in the third quarter, whenever that was, with that circus catch from Chris Chuganoff. I guess my point is, Ohio State has some really, really talented wide receivers.
3: Yeah. And uh, the fact that you can go over the top on a third and 20 play to have the guts to do that against a zone defense where they had three deep in the. (laughs) I mean, it just tells you something about about number one, the audacity of Justin Fields and the ability of uh, Benjamin Victor. And I think that
1: there's a a lot to that that you see every week. Uh, Sometimes when we talk about chemistry and relationships with players, it might be a little bit overblown, but quarterbacks need that uh, that faith that their guys can go make a play for them. For Justin Fields, he knows that he can put a ball up there and that Ben Victor is going to be able to get it. And this is not the first time that he's uh, showed a remarkable ability to get a foot down on top of that. Right. I think, uh, was it maybe Indiana uh, last year at yeah. home uh, in the back of the end zone? Another – I mean, he's, he's had a knack for the big play, right? Yes. We've seen that for a long time. And I think what's really made the difference, not for this p- specific play that you're talking about here, but he's doing – better work in the short and intermediate game than he's ever done in his career. And then when you add on top the fact that Justin Fields knows if he's got, if he's got to make a play, he's got a third and long, Ben Victor's probably going to be that guy. And that's, that's not to diminish Chris Olave, who's becoming uh, an absolute superstar overnight. Uh, Austin Mack is sort of a, he can be, I think, a third down security blanket for intermediate routes and and KJ Hill. I mean, but when you want a pure highlight, real catch, Benjamin Victor is your guy.
3: Absolutely. You know, real quick, uh, I'm looking at this team right now, and I'm seeing an offense which seems to add another few rose petals every week. (laughs) I'm seeing a defense. Hey, it was five to nothing, and that defense (laughs) went out and took care of business led by Chase Young. Jeffrey Okuda getting his first interception should have had two in that game. That would have been Uh, a bold prediction. Yeah, started. I did. I did predict Jeff Okuda would get his first collegiate interception last week, and it happened. Uh, hold your breath <laughs> for what my next uh, this week's uh, uh, prediction will be. But I I digress as usual. Uh, but I mean, this is a team. Like I was saying on radio before the game started last week, I do you know the pregame radio show with ninety-seven point one The Fan, and uh, and I pointed out that this was a show me game. I'm talking about that game. Show me if, if you're really. A national contender, show me by yeah. beating this team the way you're supposed to. I'm summarizing it there. I went through a lot of show me's. <laughs> All right, Ohio State's flying over the show me state, Missouri, to get to Nebraska. Cool. This is a game. This is just a. This is just a just win baby game. Agreed?
1: Yeah, I think it's. Uh, if last week is show me, then this week is prove it. Um, and it you, in the Big Ten on the road and against a West Division opponent and against uh, a program that is long used to success you don't have to win by double digits whatever the spread winds up being you take any win you can get at nebraska and you go home feeling good about it you know if pollsters aren't impressed if they don't win by 21 and and ohio state can easily blow nebraska out we've seen that happen before i don't expect it will be as tight as last year uh with the problems that ohio state was having defensively and for whatever reason, it seemed like a sort of sleepy outing, even though Dwayne Haskins was doing his thing. Um, but whatever. I mean, you don't worry about the pollsters at this point. You're you're done with the non-conference part. You're going into the Big Ten. Nebraska, and I wrote about him a few months ago, this could be one of those uh, games where they're a contender in the West and Uh, You circle that on the calendar. Ohio State's going to know all that. Right. So, they're not going to be caught off guard with the trap.
3: Well, that's my big line. You know, I've been saying all along, call this a trap game. is not – I don't think it's not apropos because, like last year, we were pointing at that Purdue game. There's this trap sitting right there in this clearing. Don't step in it. And they step right in it. I'm talking about Ohio State. (laughs) Same thing with this. You know, you're out here on the plains of uh, eastern Nebraska. There's a big trap sitting there, sitting right there. Don't step in it. That's not as easy as it sounds.
1: That's that's correct, because you still have to come with the right motivation. But, like, we'll go down the list. And, and I know you were already doing this earlier in the show, but, I mean, maybe they're going to wear black. It's a West Division opponent. It's going to be at night. They've got to have a slot receiver who looks a lot like Rondale Moore, who Ohio exactly. State tried to recruit. Wanda. I mean, you go down the list, and it's like, okay, well, these things trapped Ohio State in the past – and you check them off. Okay. Well, oh that that happened. Okay. We got to be on guard for that. We got to be on guard for that. Got to be on guard. There, there's no reason plus for Ohio State to be surprised.
3: Plus they have a quarterback who right. can make a play on any play, and they know, Adrian and Martinez, another
1: guy that they know very well that yeah. they tried to you know recruit in some form or fashion. So they're they're going to know the personnel that can give them problems. But I think Ohio State they even showed in Miami of Ohio on Saturday a willingness to adjust just after two or three drives when they didn't necessarily have to. I mean, if they wanted to play zone and learn that on Saturday, yeah. they could have. Yeah. Uh, but they wanted to win the game, and they didn't want to give up a touchdown. So Jeff Halfley and Greg Madison and Al Washington and uh, Larry Johnson and Matt Barnes changed up what they, what they did on the fly. And in the past, Ohio State would be, I think, Greg Schiano was good at making adjustments, but he didn't make any until halftime mm-hmm. if he made them at all. This team, I think, is already showing a willingness. If that's not working, we're going to do this.
3: Well, they take another card. It's Literally, they take another card off the deck and throw it out there. And that's what's interesting to me is when you saw that bullet defense go in there, I mean, you could clearly see the bullet the other day. Yeah. Now, they'll probably just no, need, that wasn't a bullet. But they didn't
1: when, need your, uh, your helmet yeah. signifier.
3: But when you, got, exactly, when you got Brendan White on the field along with Sean Wade and you got Baron Browning in there, uh, that's the defense I expect to see a steady uh, appearance from on Saturday night because – It's almost built to go against this uh, dangerous Nebraska offense, which starts with its quarterback, Adrian Martinez, who can turn any busted play into a 25, 30-yard gain. And uh, like you said, the Spillman kid is ridiculous. I mean, they've got a bunch of receivers that are fleet that can make things happen. They have a running back who's very interesting to me because he kind of comes and goes. Uh, But that seems more – the defense you'd want to be in more often than not uh to take care of the to at least give you a shot against a slot guy sean wade etc uh, and to at least give you a shot against a running back
1: i think that's an, another example i was talking about the scheme well ohio state has done that in terms of mixing and matching personnel where i think you got used to for so long those are the three linebackers those are the four defensive backs those are the four to six to eight defensive linemen, and that's those are the guys who are going to play. That's not what Ohio State is doing right now, and there's also no reason for them not to use guys like Baron Browning uh, or when you talk about the bullet. If Pete Warner is better suited to defend the run, let him go out there when there's tight ends on the field. But if you're in a spread, Brandon White's your guy. He's got the safety stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, again, that's not taking anything away from Warner, but the same thing is true. You're not, you don't want to waste the talents of Sean Wade. You don't want to waste the talents of Jordan Fuller and or Josh Proctor if he gets healthy, and um, so they'll. I, I give them a lot of credit, and they'll have to continue doing this beyond just the first four games. When, to be honest, it doesn't make a great, uh, big a deal when you have this level of competition. But yeah. if you're gonna keep playing these guys, and you're gonna let Browning out there, if you're gonna mix and match tough Borland to ba- to based on the personnel, I, I think it's an encouraging sign that they are showing that willingness to open up all their options because they have more of them than anybody else
3: yeah i I think this uh has the makings of being a very exciting game to watch because i think what what sets this game apart on saturday night is is nebraska has adrian martinez and ohio state has justin fields Mm -hmm. these are two of the more dangerous quarterbacks in the country uh fields might be a little better passer but i think uh, you know that's neither here nor there i think uh, like uh sam McEwen was talking about uh It seems like Adrian Martinez in the passing game kind of comes and goes with them. But, man, when they get those receivers involved, it's a pretty dangerous aspect. And, number two, they have the ability to run those wide screens – you got to figure that's a way. One of the ways they're going to attack Ohio State by wide screens. I mean, the guy can, you know, like a a Spielman can catch the ball out on the edge and cut back inside almost like a jailbreak. I mean, he has that kind of a ability and daring do about him. And uh, and in Ohio State the same way. I mean, they've got guys coming online right now, uh, like you just talked about. I mean, Chris Olave. Yeah. Uh, that's 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 ridiculous. Then KJ Hill suddenly sneaks out and he's wide open. I mean, uh, uh, Ohio State has a lot going for it offensively right now. Not the least of which is the play of its offensive line. Well, and I touched on
1: that in my in my story on Monday for Letterman Row, looking at five questions, and it's like can Nebraska stop Ohio State? And I really don't think so. You know, the the bad joke I made was that they're fumbling around in the darkness trying to find a black shirt. They're like. You can't see how they can solve the problems that they have on defense, and and Scott Frost, I, you know, I'm
3: not sure that that's a real big priority for him as money as many points as he wants to score. No, he no he he wants to play defense. I mean, he's that's what I was talking with Sam about. He comes in it with the idea that you've got to you've got to get the you've got to get the defense back to championship caliber. Championship caliber these days is not stoning is not. Shutouts. It's not stoning teams continually. It's making those three or four huge stops in a game, which makes the difference.
1: Yeah, I guess I'm not. I didn't mean to suggest that he doesn't care if they play defense or not. But I, I yeah, think I look at a program like Nebraska in this way, uh, and and Sam was talking about this as well. Yeah, if you can't recruit one through eighty-five at the same level of Ohio State, Ohio State wants to be the best offense in the country, the best defense in the country, and the best special teams. I don't think that a Nebraska or you know, anybody else Wisconsin, you have to pick what you're going to be. I think Wisconsin's very good. We're going to talk about them, I'm sure, later on as uh, late late October comes around. But yeah. you're going to have.
3: Who did Wisconsin just beat? I can't remember.
1: Oh, uh, somebody in uh, <coughs> the,
3: the, the Michigan, early, 35 14. They were up 35 nothing. Could have
1: been worse. I, it was a Could've great, been worse, great yeah. little exchange that you had in the media room on the way out on Saturday night with, with an interested observer in Greg Madison. Uh, I don't know if you want to nah. share that story. We'll, we'll, that'll be for a later time maybe. Yeah. But um, I, my point is – But but he wasn't surprised. No, not a surprise. Um, you're going to build one good thing, right? Nebraska is going to be offense. Purdue has chosen that route as well. They're going to be on offense. If you only have the bandwidth to make one great thing and you're not going to be an annual national contender, you channel your, your energy where you can succeed. And for yeah. Nebraska and Scott Frost, I think he knows – you're not going to be able to get the black shirts back to the 1995 level, but you can get a dynamic offense that gives you a chance to win the West. And every few years, if you have the special lightning in a bottle like Adrian Martinez or a special group of wide receivers, then you can jump up, maybe win the Big Ten, and who knows what happens from there. I think that's what's happened with Michigan State is that they've found their ceiling – and they put so much into building that great defense, and there's they they don't have any idea how to fix the offense. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. When you have limitations, you just have to recognize who you are. And I think part of the issue for Nebraska, at least when you look at what Bo Pelini was doing, where a lot of his success was coming on defense and an occasional offense that could jump up, is that they didn't understand that the ceiling for Nebraska has changed. Yeah, and that's that's hard <clears throat> to do.
3: But what was funny was under Bo Pelini that defense deteriorated well yeah. and uh that was that was hard to believe you know <laughs> and like i talked like I, when i was talking with sam about it, i mean the main thing that nebraska lost a lost a hook of was recruiting i mean like you're talking about now maybe now you have to like sort of like recruit to a certain area which then kind of like over over overshadows a deficiency elsewhere uh uh but you know the the Everybody's still trying to build a, f- a complete football team. It's easier to build an offensive flashy offensive team as Washington State has shown right. than it is to build a big time defense on the same group when you're kind of like on a what I call an outpost team. I mean, Lincoln is an outpost. <laughs> I mean, it's the western it outpost yeah. of the Big 10 which used to be the Western Conference. <laughs> but the bottom line is it's these days it's tough to get, you know, All of those guys to go to a place like Lincoln when you've got all these other programs going, you know, sticking around and uh, and that are competing against you. Bob Devaney had a pipeline going to like the East Coast and and maybe the you know to a certain extent the Texas et cetera. Osborne had the same thing going, but it definitely slipped under the Callahan Pellini era and they're and uh, they're still trying to get that going again. I,
1: I you know I don't want to beat a dead horse and there's going to be a game on Saturday night, but it was easier for Nebraska to be a national program. And have that success when there weren't, when every game wasn't on TV. I think uh, you you touched on this with Sam. And I he's going to be more an expert than I am. But when you got to be, everybody in the country is on TV. Then that did, became a chip that wasn't in their favor anymore. Mm-hmm. And so you then you you just have to be in Lincoln. Mm-hmm. And no offense to the people who live there, it's a great place to watch a college football game, but I don't think that you have a lot of recruits in in Texas and Florida or California or even Ohio who are just like that's where I want to go play. Right, that's where I w- I can envision myself living there after I'm done. Right, and that so that has shifted and that's harder. It's it's not easy to get to Lincoln. It's not like it's in, in Alaska, but it's you know.
3: It's halfway there. A lot of
1: people are going. <laughs> a lot of people going this week.
3: Yeah, yeah,
1: there, are going to be going to Omaha and then driving over. Yeah. just you know, it's no. You're right. You're it's, right. It's different, and I and I say that because, the
3: fans the fans have trouble grasping that. I think uh, you know in modern you know modern times. Well, they want it to be 1995. Of course, they do. That's what college football is all yeah. about. It's tradition, man. It's the same thing with Tennessee. That homecoming. You know, you they I, don't have homecoming in the NFL. They, you know. Yeah, that you and I <laughs> were
1: talking about with Tennessee. You know, the ceiling changed for that program. Yeah. The ceiling has changed for Nebraska. You, th- you think back to them, you know, going at it in 1998 and playing, battling for national championships with Osborne and
3: Fulmer. Th- those days are gone. But dude, do not discount that. Back in the 90s and back in the 70s and the late 60s oh. or half of the 60s, that was a hell of a program, brother. Absolutely. I mean, that was a hell of a program. Man. I remember and, all
1: through the 80s. I remember it very well. Yeah. When, you know, when I told you a couple of weeks about going to my first game, Nebraska and Oklahoma. That was as good as it got.
3: Yeah. If you can avoid playing the ghosts there and just play the <laughs> players that are there right now, I mean, I, th- I could see this being a fairly high-scoring game. Uh, I think it's going to depend on whether Nebraska can hold serve yeah. because I think Ohio State's going to have some success because Ohio State is an extremely balanced team right now with a running quarterback and a running back that's number five or six in the country, even even having a a, you know, a down day last <laughs> yeah. week yardage-wise. Barely he's still, getting to work. He still had the play that kind of got yep. the offense going with that running, with that touchdown. I'm talking about J.K. Dobbins. Ohio State's a two-headed monster running back right now, I do believe, with Master Teague. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he had that fumble, but, uh, you know, he could be just exactly what they need on uh, on Saturday night in Lincoln. Yep. And then uh, defensively, like we talk about, they, they can roll a bunch of different uh, uh, options out there from a defensive standpoint and not get too cute about it and give a team problems. So, I mean, this looks like a game – like I said, it doesn't look like a trap game to me. It looks like a game you should go in there and take care of business with. But we've all seen it not work a couple of times in the last two years. And, uh, you know, who knows what happens when the sun goes down, right?
1: Yeah, and I think that that's – it's going to be a long week uh, for Ohio State because I know they're going to hear about it Tuesday. Wednesday, the media is in there. Ryan Day will probably be talking about it some to them. That or Maybe I don't know how much he will, but they're going to have to answer questions about Iowa and Purdue, and that's going to get old. I get tired of even, you know, hearing it and having those conversations with them, but it's a real thing with this team that if they're going to get over the hump, these are the games that have tripped them up. Yeah. They're, they don't have problems getting up uh for, Trip for up. The rivalry. They don't they're knock not knock them off. They're not going to have problems getting up for Wisconsin. They're not going to have problems getting up for Michigan State at night at home. Those things are given and when when Ohio State knows the challenge, yeah. They have almost always met it uh, at least in the 8 years I've been here. Uh, they don't get tripped up against big-time opponents uh and they like being underdogs too it's just not going to be something that happens this year but uh, just as an aside so yeah this is to me it'll be significant if Ryan day takes them on the on the road plays a West division opponent has a dangerous offense comes back with any win I think you just take it and say that's good but they also have the ability and it won't surprise me if they do blow them out because that will that will tell me even more about Ohio State if that's what they
3: do I agree well, you know, our producer, director, and cameraman, uh, Spencer Holbrook, has given me the rapid upside up sign, <laughs> uh, very vigorously. And, uh, boy, I really do appreciate you coming on again, Austin. Uh, it was great talking with Sam McEwen. One of the things I like about uh, this show, too, is uh, it took – pardon uh, to borrow a phrase from Forrest Gump, man, all the diet Dr. Peppa you can drink. <laughs> and uh, with a cold, sometimes I need it. But uh, we'll be back next week. <laughs> Austin will always join me on this show. If in fact, he's as in long town. As,
1: as long as you'll have me, I'm going to be here. I'll
3: tell you what, here sitting here high above downtown Columbus, man. It's a great setting. Uh, we'll be back to talk about that Nebraska game to look forward to to Michigan State, uh, which, by the way, is going to be a hell of a test no matter what happens to on, in Lincoln on Saturday. Right. But until then... This is Tim May. Thanks for joining me on the Tim May Podcast.